Hi, this is Lisa, and you are listening to I Love That Movie. This podcast is for movie lovers. It's not an unbiased opinion. It's not a straightforward review. It's just a couple people talking about a movie that they love. The format is each week I have a guest, and that guest and I discuss a movie that they love, something they're obsessed with, something they connect with. We'll talk about the plot, the director, and the actors, but we'll also talk about the personal connection my guest has with that movie. So if that sounds like something you want to listen to, keep listening. and I have a few guests with me here today. Uh, I'm just going to have you guys introduce yourself. So, Age before beauty. <laughs> <laughs> well, so that gave away who I am. Uh, it's Michael Cross. Um, Alfred, everyone knows who I am. Yeah. And across the table from me, Daniel Sanchez, Superman. And then our familiar returning guest. And Nick. Nick again. Sorry, guys. Husband man. <laughs> That's me. Yep. And uh, what movie are we discussing today? This is really interesting. <laughs> We're discussing not one, but two movies, but it's the same movie. Mm-hmm. Superman 2, both the Richard Lester and the Richard Donner cuts. Okay. <laughs> I can't wait to dive in. All right, so guys, uh, let's go with our familiar format where we kind of discuss where you saw this movie first. And how old you were, etc. Um, we'll start with Michael. Uh, I saw it in the theater when it first came out. I'm going to guess I was... What year did it come out? 81. 81. I was 21, 22. All right. And uh, Daniel? I was 13. Also in theater? Also in the theater. Mm-hmm. Uh, Nick? You know, I actually, um, when we do, did the uh, Superman uh, episode with Daniel earlier, I had seen that one as a child, but I have not seen this one. So I just saw it for the first time, what was it, two or three nights ago when we watched it? So this was a, a, a fresh look at, a, at this particular version yep. of Zod. And- now, did you watch... The Lester cut and the Donner cut? That I don't know. There were some parts we were confused at, so I'm thinking it might have... Did the beginning have Paris? Yep. Yes. Did he fly to Paris to save Lois? Because we'll always have Paris. (laughs) 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 Then you saw the Lester cut, which was the original 1981 theatrical release. Okay. Which I was just about to say, me at 21, 22, dad at 13, we saw the Lester cut. Yes. Because the Donner didn't come out until, what is it, four years ago, five years ago? Mm-hmm. That recently? Yeah. It came wow. out. It, it, it was spurred by the um, 2006 Superman Returns. Okay, okay. The short version of the story is there were some things tied up in legal knots, one of which was the Marlon Brando footage. Mm. Because the 2006 Superman Returns film worked out those legal issues in order for them to have some Brando footage for that film. It then released 
the ability for this Donner cut to go back and use Brando footage to redo Superman 2. Okay. So that's why it waited until 2006. Wow. So if you're wow. a hardcore fan wanting to see his real vision, you had to wait that long. Yes. Hmm, interesting. It was one of those things that had been rumored for forever. I'd been hearing about, oh, there's this, the original Donner cut, the and it is <laughs> so much better, and it's, it's great. And as we'll get into this, I finally, it came out, I watched it right away and went, you know, it's one of those things they tell you this is going to be great, and I, I still prefer the original. Um, mm. But that was my opinion. Yeah. No, but you're right, it was a long, long, long time to wait. Okay. It's as if we were trapped in some sort of phantom zone. <laughs> well, what's interesting about this movie is when I posted that I watched it, it immediately sparked a debate, like... You were on there, and you, yeah, but yeah. other people too. It was oh yeah, really, it's really interesting to me because elbows were flying. Grab yes. your torch and pitchforks. Because I I hadn't seen this movie till this weekend, so I I didn't know what to expect. And then you guys were quizzing me. Well, which which version did you see? And I I didn't know what the I right answer know. is. And so but I'm really excited <laughs> to get into all that. Immediately, I hate it when we both go to the fight. same thing. It's like. Were they blowing up the Eiffel Tower? Yes, it's a Lester version. <laughs> okay, I'm glad it was <laughs> that clear because so, okay, I was so kind of sweating. Not in? Not no, at all. No, not at all. Not at all. Hmm. That's okay. really interesting. Why not? Well, I guess we'll dive into that. But uh, Okay, so we all talked about when we saw this. I'm going to do the uh, synopsis really quick. Superman fools the plot of terrorists by hurting their nuclear device into outer space. But the bomb shockwaves free the Kryptonian villain General Zod and his henchmen Ursa and Non from their imprisonment. Traveling to Earth, they threaten the planet with destruction at the same time that Superman decides to renounce his superpowers in order to live a normal life as Clark Kent with his new love, Lois Lane. And scene. That's pretty much what happened. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yes. Because when a girl falls in love with the guy for everything that he is, she wants him to stop being that. I had that question. Yeah. <laughs> Can we get into that? Yeah, okay. So, um, <laughs> we will go there, right? But my first question is... Um, Superman 2, the girlfriend cut. <laughs> yeah. Right. right. I felt that way watching. Okay. So, uh... I was waiting for Lois to be like, you did what? I know, she'd be like, but that's the only time I like you, so I don't know why you did that. Um, let's talk about Lester versus Donner. Ding, ding, ding. <laughs> Round one. Okay. Uh, <laughs> I, I think I think we need to get into the history of how it all fell apart before okay. we can get into why different versions even happened. So here, here are my notes, and you can interject if they're not correct but i had that donner was replaced because they were kind of like running over budget it was they were filming for too long and they maintain the team maintains that they asked him to come back and he maintains that no one asked him to come back what are your thoughts on that um it is true that well here's what happened in those days you did not often film two films at the same time Mm-hmm. It became more common later with Back to the Future 2 yeah. and 3, The Matrix 2 and 3, Lord of the Rings. Um, but because they had this swing for the fences attitude, they hired Marlon Brando, Oscar winner had just come off of uh, The Godfather. They had Gene Hackman, Oscar winner, who had just yep. come off The French Connection. They had limited shooting schedules. So they said, we're going to shoot both movies so that we can do all of Brando's scenes, all of Hackman's scenes, and oh, then they're okay. released... And 
production can go on. So that was the, the mentality behind it. So Richard Donner was hired to do the whole shebang. They gave him a million dollars, which was huge for a director at the time. And he said, let's do this. It got towards the release date expectation for Superman 1. They had filmed a substantial amount of Superman 2, but Warner Brothers said, it needs to be Christmas of 1977, guys, where are you? Or excuse me, 1978, where are you on this? And so they put all of their effort into releasing Superman 1 on mm -hmm. time. The producers got skittish about the original ending because it was meant to be a cliffhanger to lead everyone into part two. The end of part two was supposed to be the turning back the world ending. Okay, okay. Mm -hmm. The producers said, no, 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 we need to take the most spectacular part of the story and guarantee that part one is a success. So they moved it all up against Donner's wishes. But he said, you know what? I'm a creative guy. We'll figure it out when we come back for part two. Hubris kicked in because Superman 1 was such a success, the producer said, well, we don't need Donner now. Mm. In addition to that, there were a lot of antagonistic feelings on set during the production of the whole thing with what you said, the over-budget, the yeah. over-time. Uh, Donner maintains they never gave him a budget or a schedule, so he didn't understand what they were upset about, but it reached the point where they stopped speaking to each other. Okay. So they brought in a man named Richard Lester, who was a very respected director and who had just finished making the three and four Musketeers, which are fantastic films. Okay. Not to mention had directed the, a hard day's the Beatles' night. first two movies. He directed yes. the Beatles' first two movies. Um, and he was known for getting things done and getting them done well and being liked on the set. Mm -hmm. So he basically came in as mediator, mm -hmm. and Donner would tell him something. He would turn around and tell the producers, and he basically passed their notes back and forth in class just to get everything to the finish line. Oh, gotcha. Okay. Um, Donner, if he was asked to come back, his condition was that he would not work for a man named Pierre Spengler, who's one of the producers. I, yeah, I read that. Yeah. And uh, he also didn't appreciate that they were trying to cut Marlon Brando out of his royalties for being in the second film. So it fell apart. They fired Donner. Um, the writer, Tom Mankiewicz, who's credited for all the best parts of the plot, was so loyal to Donner that he said, if Richard's not coming back, I'm not coming back. Mm -hmm. Gene Hackman said, if Richard's not coming back, I'm not coming back. Brando was, well, obviously I'm not coming back. So an entire exodus happened, and Richard Lester, through no fault of his own, had to pick these pieces up and had to make a coherent Superman 2 out of it so therein lies the discrepancy of fandom of okay. why people say, but I wanted to know what Donner would have done. Gotcha, okay. Versus what was the film that I saw in theaters that blew me away and made me fall in love with it. And so there's, there's joy and frustration on, on both sides in both ways. And I think the, the Brando paycheck could not be understated. Mm -hmm. as to being a real big driver for this. Okay. Brando had a lot of points in the film. If he was not in the second film, whatever money that second film made, he would not have to be paid for at all. But as mm -hmm. we'll get into, it it hurt the heart of the story to take Superman's father out of the story. Yeah, I do feel like, you know, I, I liked this movie, but I can't say I liked it as much as the first one. And so I had some questions for you guys about that because I do feel like something was missing and maybe it's because I saw that cut. I don't know. It felt different. Yeah. It didn't feel like 
even though it was all the same actors, they didn't really mesh with each other. Uh, but I guess that's just because it was more chopped up than actually produced as a coherent movie like the um, this the ideal version would have been. There's also a big difference in directing style between Donner and Wester and what their shots look like and how they put things together. So it's it's disjointed from the original film in that way. To uh, me, not to say anything bad, but the first one seemed more cinematic to me. Superman 1. Yeah. And I, Donner is more of a tech, technical director. I wonder if that's what it was. That's Maybe that's what I was seeing. Um, and also his cinematographer and a lot of his team came right off of Star Wars. Okay. So, so they wrapped filming. Obviously, Star Wars was released in 77. Mm -hmm. Superman 1 uh, and 2 was filmed at Pinewood Studios in London. So the set designer, Stuart Baird, the editor, many of the really talented people that are responsible for Star Wars went straight into Superman. So that's why the lighting is great and everything is great. Hmm. Well, I have kind of a different format for this one. I was thinking... By the way, oh, i got to say this before I yeah, forget. Yeah. No one knows this, but it's true. The you chest... first here. Yes, it's, it's never been said before. Ever. <laughs> <laughs> I might be making this up. No. Um, <laughs> the pressure's the, off. <laughs> the, quote, lead-lined chest that Led Luther kept, Lex Luthor kept the kryptonite in mm -hmm. is the same chest that obi-wan kept luke's oh okay lightsaber in okay cool very nice cool. yeah so that team reused props from uh, from star wars wow that's, that's really like cool. in star wars like how do we make this space weapon oh just get a get a flash bulb or something oh, <laughs> the, the entire the, the first superman film came out the special effects were what they were pushing besides having Brando and Hackman because the tagline was, you'll believe a man can fly. Mm -hmm. That yeah. This is going to look so good. And yeah, you did. It looked great. Yeah. And that was one of the cost overruns that the producers were so angry about. Oh, really? So on one hand, Donna was trying to live up to this promise. Yeah. And on the other hand, he was being smacked for it. I feel like that's pretty common. I think now... There's a lot of controversy with films, even with the new Star Wars film, you know, with Han Solo, or Solo, um, you know, the director being replaced this far into production mm -hmm. where they pretty much finished the whole movie. Like, I think we forget that this this happens. It happens. Yeah. It's part of movie making and part of movie making history. Um, but yeah, so this particular episode, my format is a little different. I kind of want you guys to kind of take the lead here because I feel like... Uh, I could go into the director and the actors and all that, but we kind of covered that in the first one. Not Lester as much, so if you have a lot of facts about him, go ahead and jump in. But I kind of just want to talk about your favorite scenes, and then what's the difference between this one and the Donner version? Um, well, the, the thing that I'll give Lester credit for is that no one disliked him. Everyone on set loved the man, um, and I have nothing bad to say about him. Most of the things that I prefer the Donner version for are plot points. Mm. There are some really good acting beats that I like in the Donner version, but there are some really good acting beats in the Lester also. Yeah. Well, we'll start off the opening, the Eiffel Tower, that whole is, is purely the Lester film. I love that scene. I really enjoy the entire Eiffel Tower mm -hmm. thing. I know you have a problem with how fast Superman can fly from New York to Paris. <laughs> but, he can uh, circle the world ten times in three seconds. It takes him five minutes of screen time to get from New York to Paris. Concord was flying. Traffic. It's, 
Oh, whenever you hear He was nice to too. birds. Yes, but uh, I really like that scene. I enjoy it very much. Um, there is a difference in the Donner version. The villains get released because of the atomic missile that he threw out into space from the first film. Right. Okay, so that's Which the does tie the, you know, that something he actually did, did saving Lois that. releases the villains. Uh, which is a nice beat. I really do like that. But this works just as well. He gets the atom bomb that they've got in the Eiffel Tower, throws it out into space, and that releases them. Same thing. It's still you. his doing, but it does tie nicely that what you did to save Lois is what's going to cause the problem here. Yeah. But I still like the Eiffel Tower, and I prefer that scene. One of the things that I, I miss from the Donner version not having the Eiffel Tower is there's some great dialogue at the Daily Planet that happens when Clark shows up and wants to know where Lois is. Yeah. Um, and a lot of it is from Perry White, who doesn't necessarily get a lot of screen time, but but this version really gives Perry some great lines. He, he says, you know, there's uh, there's a bomb that's about to go off in uh, in Paris. And Clark says, well, my goodness, Mr. Kent, that's terrible. <laughs> that's why they're called terrorists, Kent. <laughs> and then Clark asks where Lois is, and... He says she's in Paris, and he goes, "Well, golly, Mr. Kent, isn't she in danger?" And he goes, "Yeah, if Paris is going to go kablooey, I want my best reporter in the middle of it." <laughs> so, in the version we saw, that scene does happen, though. That's right? the Lester. Yeah, version. Oh, that okay, is okay. the yeah. one we saw. Okay, right. okay. Yeah, which is, I I love that entire scene. I enjoy that very very much. Um, um, the other thing too is he he changes clothes running through an alley. That's a fantastic visual in the Lester version. Okay. Um, and I feel like that's kind of what you think. Minus the phone booth, you think of Superman running somewhere in mid-change. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And that's become a famous visual since yeah. then, and, and none of that is in, in the Donner cut. Oh, and so okay. I do miss those things. Um, the Donner cut assumes that the turning back of the world has not happened yet. Mm. And this really is the original script so the, the Donner assumption is that Superman 1 ended on the proper cliffhanger, which was Superman does get the missiles and successfully throws them out into space. The missile explodes and releases Zod and Nan and Ursa, to which Zod screams, we're free, and it's cliffhanger. Coming soon, Superman 2, because now they're coming to Earth. Oh, okay. Because okay. we were like... But that... That ending never happened in the first one. So no matter... We call this the Donner Cut, the way it was originally intended, stuff like that. This film never could have been. So it's the because first one... Because the other one does also? exist, and that's the way it ended. And this film never could have actually Which been again, released. Is, is you so, have to make that assumption that we live in an alternate universe where... Right. Okay, okay. Where Superman 1 ended with the cliffhanger of, of Zod and his cronies being released. Um, but if you go with that, mm-hmm. then the beginning of the Donner version uh, does not have Paris in it because we don't need Superman to yeah. have the bomb explode in space. We've already released yeah. Zod. Okay. Um, now, I will say that the beginning of the Donner version is one of my favorite things to happen in any superhero movie, which is Lois Lane figures out that Clark Kent is Superman right away. <laughs> like, the credits roll, and within 60 seconds, Lois is, you're Superman. 
And it's great because she's got this newspaper and it has a picture of Superman and she looks over and she sees Clark standing there with his glasses and hat and it just dawns on her because obvious. Yeah. <laughs> and she takes a, a, a Sharpie and draws on the newspaper photo some glasses and a hat and the coat and the tie and she looks at it and she just gets this cute smirk like like a girl who knows what some kid's going to get for Christmas and just is dying to, to tease him about it. Yeah. And so Clark walks up, and she just starts dropping these little innuendos, like, how you doing? I'm feeling super. Are you feeling super, Clark? <laughs> and she's elbowing him, and she's just making him feel very nervous about it, and she's just adorable. So that whole interplay is, is fantastic. And rather than her flinging herself into a river in Niagara Falls, which in the version that was the theatrical, doesn't happen until much later in the film. Oh, okay. When Clark doesn't instantly admit in the Daily Planet that he's Superman, she goes, okay. She goes over to a window and throws herself out, which is so gutsy. You know, who does that? Well, only somebody as tough and feisty as Lois Lane would do that. Um, And so for the movie to start that way, I absolutely love it. And if I have to compare the two, I'm still going to go with Lois figures out Clark because she's supposed to be a smart reporter and it was great to see her be that. I get that. Now, of course, going back, in case it isn't clear so far, I prefer the Lester version. (laughs) (laughs) Wait, what? Daniel prefers the Donner version. (laughs) But I still, I love the Donner version also. Uh, I think it's a great, great film. I just, Lester is my favorite. Um, Lois works towards figuring out Clark is Superman in the Lester version also. A little later in the whole Niagara Falls scene there, she jumps into the Niagara Falls thinking Superman will save her, which he does without letting her know he has saved her. You know, heat vision drops a branch branch mm-hmm. down. She saves. And the reveals are so much different between the two films. Go ahead and talk about the Donner reveal first, where she absolutely knows. Um... It's the it's it's the, it's the other, rehearsal scene. Yeah, yeah. It's it's there are four <clears throat> really really great scenes in the Donner version, and this is this is one of them where they they still go to Niagara so Falls you think. undercover. <laughs> <laughs> no pressure. <laughs> um, <laughs> let me speak with some candor. Um, <laughs> they they still go undercover to Niagara Falls, and Lois has not abandoned this idea that that Clark is Superman because she just watched the saving of the little boy who fell over the edge at Niagara Falls. Yeah. And once again, Superman is here and Clark's nowhere to be seen. And isn't right. it interesting that we're in Canada and this has happened? So she's she's more sure than ever. And so Clark comes to pick her up for dinner and she's not ready. And she's just sitting there casually chatting with him about, you know what, you really are Superman. And he goes, no, no. And she goes, yes. But the problem that I've always had is that I've, to prove it, risked my life instead of yours. And she pulls out a gun. Wow. (laughs) And just points it at Clark. And he, of course, does his nebbish little nerdy, like, Lois, Lois, no, 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 no. And she goes, no, Clark, and I'm going to pull this trigger. And don't bother falling down because you're just going to have to get up again. And he goes, Lois, no, no, no. And she goes, bang. Now, watching this, again, who does that? Well... Okay, my only question, even watching the new one, I told Nick, I'm like, I'm worried for Lois. I think she's unstable. Like, <laughs> well, like she's a very... That was Marco Kidder, the whole other story. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> I was like, I'm concerned. So I, I do think, 
I don't know. For general audiences, do you think they would react? You have to give the scene another 60 seconds because, okay, of course, okay. <laughs> Clark doesn't fall down. He stands there and he takes his glasses off and he stands up straight and broad shoulders and he says, you know, Lois, if that had worked, you would have killed Clark Kent. And she smirks and says, with a blank? Oh, okay, okay. I was like, I'm starting to doubt My Lois. first <laughs> problem with that scene. <laughs> wow. With a blank. Ding, ding, You're ding. Superman. You didn't see the bullet coming at you. I imagine you feel them hit you. They don't pierce you. They don't hurt you. But you know when you've been hit by one. Um, love is blind, Michael. Yeah, okay. <laughs> she didn't think that far ahead. Even with x-ray vision, love but is that's, blind. That's the reveal that okay. Lois absolutely knows in the Donner film. In the Lester film, I like the reveal a lot better. They are in the honeymoon, honeymoon suite, suite thing there. <laughs> oh, okay. And all of a sudden, he trips and falls with his hand in the fire, and of course he isn't hurt. And they talk about how you wanted me, you wanted to trip. Oh, and yeah. I, like I like that, that. so mm-hmm. much like better that. that this guy is, well, he's in love with Lois Lane. Mm-hmm. She's in love with Superman. He is Superman. He can't tell her I'm Superman. And subconsciously, yes, he's Superman. Of course he didn't trip. Subconsciously, he wanted that to happen so she would know. And I love that beat. And that is probably one of my favorite parts of the entire Lester film. And, and where I'll agree with you there is it's even deeper because at that moment, Lois was very down on her reporter instincts. And yeah. she was... Right. She was... Because I was so wrong that he I'm was, so wrong about this. And I think Clark realized... I'm going to have to keep doing this to her. She's going to come back to this, and I'm going to have to squash it again and again and again and again. And I think he didn't want to, and yeah. that's why he and tripped. That, uh, I think it's on a subconscious level that no, he had to let her know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he, he didn't do it on purpose, but he could not do it. But where I still like the Donner version is it's the age-old joke if Lois is such a good reporter, how can she work with this guy day after day, <laughs> being six foot four, you know, g- given that he's wearing glasses, but still, how do you not figure that out? You're the best reporter in Metropolis. And I like that she, on her own, figured it out. But she, on her own, figured it out in the other version also. He, he tripped was, into he, the he, fire no, no, in no, front she of had, her. She had figured it out and <laughs> knew it. She figured it out enough to jump into Niagara Falls. She knew. Now, he was smart enough to fool her back into... No, you're wrong, but she she was the reporter. She'd figured that and would figure it out again and again, just like you said, uh, that this would keep happening. And so, but the real I like the psychological impact of the reveal that he he had to let her know he couldn't live this way anymore. Well, I like that a guy didn't have to fall into some fire in front of her for her to get there. <laughs> you prefer that he got shot. But uh, <laughs> it's, it's always good when the, the person you eventually date originally shoots you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, he is slower than a non-existent bullet. That's the line, right? Yes, yeah. yeah. But uh, so that's, that's, that's a big difference. That's a big Now, as, as we move later on the film, there will be stuff that he will be able to just beat me over the head with that I have <laughs> no excuse for it. So it's, yeah, yeah, it's terrible. Okay, go ahead. Uh, where do you want to go next? Um, well, if I'm going to beat you over the head with something. <laughs> yeah, well, um, we might as well go straight there. <laughs> um, Put that bat down. There, when when Zod and, and Ursa and Non first arrive on Earth. So okay. we're, we're skipping over they've killed astronauts on the moon. 
Um, oh, yeah, that happened. Yeah. Right. Yes. <laughs> Even though they're standing on the surface of the moon talking to each other in zero atmosphere. Um, <laughs> very, very Just little atmosphere. Their hearing is that good. It's that yeah. good. Yeah. yeah. And, well, yeah and they haven't had a, uh, the, the training club right. has where you can have to concentrate. Although on Zod has, has had superpowers for about 10 minutes and he stands on the moon and says, the closer we get to an atmosphere with a yellow sun, the greater our powers grow. I'm like, wow, that's, that's some <laughs> convenient <intuitive>. knowledge <laughs> that you've, you've gained. Although Jor-El knew that too. Yeah, because as they, they, the first movie, said, as they're shooting him off, that he will have powers far beyond the, them and stuff. So it, it apparently they already know what a yellow sun will do to them. Okay, here's here's a quick question. Okay, going from from um, I don't think so, but Man of Steel they had outposts all over the galaxy. This one they didn't. So they did they have previous knowledge of like our solar system, or was it just? On a whim. That's a, that's a nitpick, because if you're going to say how scientifically advanced the, the Kryptonian Science Council was, and I'm going to assume in general they had a greater yeah. knowledge of the galaxy and physiology. And, and the, the story has always been they knew they were sending him to Earth. Right. And not they, right. not they just random place. This is where there. he's going to go. Yeah, he, yeah. Would, he would benefit from being here opposed to And they Earth. knew that the yellow sun would give him powers. Right. right. Okay. Um, and it's not like Zod even knew that was Earth. He just knew he just, Yellow Sun. Yeah. Um, so when they do get to Earth, because the astro- astronauts kept saying Houston, 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 they decide to go to planet Houston. Um, and they end up in East Houston, Idaho. Okay. <laughs> not even <laughs> actual Houston, I assume for budget reasons. Probably. But they, they get in this fight in this small town where they... It, it, they landed in Hazard County. Yeah. And and they Bar beat scene. up some rednecks. Yeah. The Dukes? And pretty much. Um, and, and rather than, than uh, Enos, they have Boog, the sheriff-to-be. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's a little boy there who speaks in such a thick British accent. Yes, yes, yes. It's, <laughs> it's, Is this the little boy that I could not figure out if he was a little girl or not? Yes. <laughs> he's, he's straight out of Oliver. Like, please, sir. Don't hurt my daddy. Oh, yeah, when he has him, like, hovering. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> there, there's no excuse or reason for it. It just is. You could at least have that kid say Paul, and it'd make it more believable. He's Paul. He's like Paul. <laughs> but, but my other, I guess, plot glitch that I can't get past is, in the original script, Zod went to the seat of power, which, in his mind, was Washington, D.C. Yeah. So... As a general and as the best general of Krypton and as a military man, I assume that from space you can look at the lights and see where the cities are and you can make an educated guess as to where the seats of power are Mm -hmm. and at least not end up in East Houston, Idaho, (laughs) thinking that that's that's the place to begin your takeover. (laughs) You would go to some place that was... More populated, yeah. More, yeah, more light bright if you're... Um, and there is a uh, there is a version done by a guy called uh, Salutron where he remastered some footage and had them land in Washington Um, I'll send you the link for it but it's pretty interesting to see what it would have been 
Uh, it's a bit more like the the X Men Two Nightcrawler attack. Well, when they do get to DC, we, we did think of the X Men. Well, yeah, because whenever they're fighting, yeah. like throwing people around, mm-hmm. we're like, man, that Nightcrawler scene in the second X Men movie was badass. Yeah, that was a good scene. <laughs> yeah, um, and there are a couple of things that just fit better. Um, <laughs> when when in the Lester version, when Zod and, and company fly past Mount Rushmore. And with single laser beams, (laughs) they're the best sculptors you've ever seen. And it was funny. (laughs) Yes. I wish I could sculpt that quickly by shining a a pin light on a nose area and have the whole face be done. In a different rendering. That's a a very Richard Lester gag. Gag, exactly. Yeah. Uh, Because if you've watched Hard Day's Night or Help or, or the Three Musketeers films, he's... He's a sight gag guy. There's no doubt about it. He's a very funny director. And that was a funny scene. Yeah. Um, but in, in the Donner version, when they go to Washington, they basically just push over the Washington Monument, which seems much more like a straightforward thing that a bully would do, um, okay. rather than the gag, the sight gag of, of Mount Rushmore. Um, but I think that's probably just because I, I appreciate if, if a villain is intended to be a threat in the movie make them threatening. And mm-hmm. so I think the Donner version was more of a straight line towards that. Okay. I could see that. Although I thought they were pretty intimidating in Houston, Iowa. But well, again, they, they land uh, next to this lake and they're still discovering their powers. And the thing that I just cannot get past is there's a snake on the ground. And Ursa picks it up and it turns on her and bites her wrist. And she winces and pulls her wrist back and throws the snake down. A snake bite. Yeah, that the snake would have lost his fangs. There's no doubt. <laughs> yeah. One one thing I whenever they they run into the police and he's like, I like the glowing orb on top of your, whatever. It reminds me of our sons. Like, did they not have lights <laughs> on Krypton? I imagine right. they would know what a light is <laughs> and and what a, a tinted covering on a light would be it's like they're not all of their thumb drives were entirely lights yeah i mean the crystal drive or whatever right but i thought that was like one of the silly things but it's like that's i mean i think they know what a light is (laughs) true yep so we end up in washington dc both films uh where do you want to go from there um i think that the confronting the president and getting him to kneel before Zod is fantastic. I like the uh, guy pretending he's the president first. Yes. To oh, protect yeah. the president, then the president coming yes. forth to do that. Yeah. And I like the scene with the Zod, you're not the president. Mm-hmm. You kneel too easy. Mm-hmm. No one who leads so many people would do that. I really enjoyed that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I kind of like, then the president does step out and he does kneel anyways. Right. Immediately, he's like, "No, if it's going to save my people, I will." So I thought mm-hmm. that was a good president for this this universe. Yeah, and, 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 very and, and it's, a, it's mm-hmm. why am I doing this? Because it will save lives. Yeah. So whereas, whereas the first guy didn't to- explain anything, he just needled, and that's how he knew. No, this this isn't the right guy. Mm-hmm. But he also says, "But there's one man who will never kneel before you." Right. Um, so that's just Zod's calling him out. That's Zod's first <laughs> inkling that there is this. Potential person. Yeah. Um, and then, of course, Zod ultimately gets to the, I always win, is there no one on this planet to even challenge me? 
and then they do the broadcast from the White House where the president officially abdicates power, um, sort of Nixon resigning the broadcast, I'm giving everything uh, full control to Zod. But then, of course, he screams as fast as he can, Superman, where are you? We need you. <laughs> Help us. And Zod, well, I would too, yeah. <laughs> in yeah, his shoes. Um, but now Zod's fully aware. There is this person, his name is Superman, the president himself thinks this guy is he enough to stop, stop me. And then now Zod calls Superman out, where are you, you coward? You know, Come to me if you dare. Mm-hmm. So the problem that I have with that is we're still talking about 1981. It is possible to find out who Superman is and not live in ignorance. It takes Lex Luthor to come up and explain to Zod later who Superman is. Lois had probably the most famous interview in all of journalistic history since God talked to Moses. (laughs) (laughs) It would not take much for Zod to get a Daily Planet issue that detailed Superman's entire story, where he came from. Krypton, you say? (laughs) Oh, no, the other one. (laughs) <laughs> right. Son of Jor-El, you say? Has these powers, you say? Everything is there, even the weakness of lining things in lead. Everything that Luther knew from that newspaper article, Zod could know. that to people in the first place? That makes no sense. <laughs> you dummy. Um, so the idea that Zod has zero knowledge of Superman, even until Luther shows up, is... is shaky. shaky. But it does give a nice entrance for Luther. It does. And it does give a nice plot flow for losers why why are you here what are you doing right. could it be more of like zod is more military thought driven you want like, intel if you're military yeah but maybe he's more guns ablazing type military i i think as soon as he maybe says he more of a doesn't read english but he threatens people and as soon as yeah. people start saying superman can beat you he's going to demand who is the superman tell me everything about the superman he would make all the White House staff bring him everything. Just True. By yeah, he would be like, yeah. I need to know who I'm is. sitting in the oak desk. If Tell I'm, me everything. But I'm that just going to sit here That becomes much more boring. I'm going to find out who of it is. Of course it, it does. It's much more interesting to have Luther, who Gene Hackman is brilliant. Yeah. Um, and every Gene Hackman scene, I will give you, was shot by Richard Donner because he refused to walk back onto the set. Wow. And, and uh, to give Hackman something to do... Knowledge of Superman was his bargaining chip. Yeah. So you had True. to yeah. you had to let him have it. Um, and Superman's address was still something Zod didn't know. Right. Um, so they just went ahead and let him have the whole the whole reveal. Um, now <laughs> when they do ultimately fight, mm-hmm. they have the battle in Metropolis. So which it's interesting to watch this and then to watch Man of uh, Steel and see how the different Superman battled the different Zods mm-hmm. in the battle for Metropolis. Yeah, we definitely thought about I that watching we, it again. I, I said right away, I'm like, in a Man of Steel, it's more personal. Because, I mean, Zod came after right. kal Like, he knew him before he Specifically, he came was, after yeah. kal Right. And so it's a much more personal telling of that story. In this version, he's just like, I need to get rid of this guy. Who is he? I'm going to beat him up. Uh, in the Reeve version? Yeah. Oh, it was vengeance for being jailed by Jor-El. Yeah, but... He was taking it out on the heir of Jor-El. But he didn't know it at first. Because in Man of Steel, he knew Kal-El was on Earth. As soon as Luther showed up at the White House, he told Zod, this is the son of Jor-El. 
And that's the first thing that Zod does is stand up and he says, the son of our jailer. (laughs) Yeah. So it was very personal. Now, between the two battles, between Man of Steel and either version, Man of Steel put me to sleep. It's like that battle never ends. Yeah. The (laughs) battles in in Superman 2 are entertaining and fun. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Although the... uh, the battle had some scenes shot by Donner, but not very many. Right. So most of the battle is Lester, and he put in some slapstick there that rubs me the wrong way. The the, the phone booth turned on the side, sweeping down the street, the guy laughing as it goes, is one of my absolute favorites. I love it. It's pure <laughs> Lester, and that's another reason I love the film. It's funny, and it's entertaining, and it takes the edge off the battle, and I like it. I thought that, like, super powerful blowing scene was went on a little too long though it, it was like a full minute or two minutes i'm like come on okay we get the idea they're yeah. blowhards i still enjoyed it i i, I really like that and i love the comedy he put into that uh it, it was a little it got a bit much when you had the 70s disco roller skating guy going backwards <laughs> doing that over-the-top noise of whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> i liked it it's <laughs> <laughs> I, I could deal with the ice cream blowing from one guy from one into guy another into guy's face. face yeah. That was all right. That was pretty funny. Um, <laughs> and because then, you have to assume this has all been going on for a good probably half hour in real time. Mm-hmm. But they, they still went and got ice cream. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I do like that. Well, the world's ending. You want to go get us some ice cream? Okay. <laughs> or let's visit all of the sponsors of this film. So let's get a lot of KFC boxes. Let's smoke as many Marlboros yeah. as yeah, possible. Yeah, yeah. Let's, let's, let's show this Marlboro truck from every <laughs> angle we can show it. Right. Even though inside. Yeah. And, and because we're in, in Metropolis, which is New York City, let's have an Essex oil truck. Essex is... And the, the Coca-Cola London. sign, which is... It's obviously Times Square. Right. It's... But that was, that was just the time where product placement was absolute king. Yeah. Yeah. So, so Battle for Metropolis, mm-hmm. one of the things that I like about the Donner cut is Superman tries to lead the battle away from the city much earlier. Oh, okay. And in, in the Lester cut, he flies sort of over the Hudson and they catch up with him. But in, in the Donner cut... He makes it all the way to the Statue of Liberty. He's trying to get away, away to save the people. And they catch him at the Statue of Liberty and punch him into the torch. Mm. And we watch sort of like when we watch Independence Day, they blew up the White House. In this version, they destroyed the Statue of Liberty. And so it's this, there are no gloves. Kid gloves are off. All bets are off. They can destroy anything. They've just destroyed the Statue of Liberty. We watched them destroy the Washington Monument. They're going to run over everything. So because of those landmark destruction things that were in the Donner Cut, to me, that lended more gravitas towards the, the evil Kryptonians, and they really will stomp on everything we hold dear if they're not stopped. Okay. Um, now, they do drag him back into the city, and more of the battle happens in Metropolis because great visuals. Right. Yeah. Um, in the Donner cut, Zod taunts Superman by insulting his father more and tries to get in his head. And Zod realizes quicker that Superman cares more about the lives of others than his own. Mm-hmm. And Zod uses that quicker. Um, now, in, in neither version do 
I think anyone should believe that throwing Superman into a Marlboro truck will kill him. <laughs> <laughs> and, and yet you have all the people there believing it, you know, to the point where you get this Spider-Man mob of, let's get him, they just killed our hero. And that's, that's not valid reasoning. Yeah. Um, but nevertheless, Superman realizes, if I continue to fight here, people will die. And mm-hmm. so he takes the shame of cowardice to fly off and figure something out, which mm-hmm. um, you would think was what, what Jor-El had taught him. Right, um, yeah. So uh, I do like that take on it. Okay. So it's not just the absence of the slapstick. It's also the addition of, of the, the battle tactics itself. Sure. That makes sense. Um, so where do we go right after that? Well, uh, Zod thinks they win, um, but they have not killed the son of their jailer. They want their, quote, victory to be complete. Yes. So Luther says, well, I know Superman's address. Grab this lady and let's go to the North Pole. And, and right in there is is one of my absolute favorite Lex Luthor lines. As Nan breaks down the yes. walls and they all come walking <laughs> yes. in. And Lex Luthor walks and opens the door. All this advanced. <laughs> they haven't figured out a door. <laughs> and walks out through. It's like, what a great line. Yeah. I think it's with all this accumulated knowledge, why, when will these dummies learn to use a doorknob? Yeah, that, that's it. And it's just like... That's perfect. It's yeah. beautiful. And and that's up there with my favorite Lex line from the first film, which is, it's amazing that brain generates enough power to keep those legs moving. <laughs> like, he's just such a snarky... <laughs> but you know he has those thoughts in his head all the time, this total contempt for everyone except himself. Yes, yes. An advanced species lands, and he's like, they're dummies. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, yes, and that's missing from the Donner Cut. That line isn't there. Mm. Um, okay. And uh, they did shoot a lot of the Daily Planet scenes together. So any scene that has Gene Hackman is a Donner scene. Okay. Right. Um, so the the one thing that I miss uh, later is when Superman gets his powers back and he stands on the flagpole outside the window. The theatrical version has the fantastic line, Zod, would you care to step outside? <laughs> and it's not there in the Donner cut. And instead, it's this lame throwaway joke of, haven't you heard of freedom of the press? I'm like, okay, so they trashed the Daily Planet, but that's not a good joke. That's not a good line. And you had the best line ever, and I don't understand why that's I not I feel like there. that works better because it's kind of pulling, like, whenever he had his powers taken away, and he's trying to beat up that one guy and just gets his butt kicked. And he tried that. Sir, would you like to step outside? Mm-hmm. And it's like the second time, it's like, yeah, he could do something about it now. When he's talking to Zod, he's like, Zod. Yeah, it, it's, it, that's the great it line. Like that would, would you like to step outside? Like, it, it makes more impact. Which, he's tried this before, and it didn't work out. Right. Now he knows it's going to work out. Which right. I'm not sure who shot, shot that. Because the way it shot, it could be either director having shot that line. It, it could be, but it's missing in the Donner cut. It's right. not there. So that makes me think it was shot by Lester. It, it, probably. And one of, the, one of the faults of the Donner cut is that it was very, it was still very fan-based. You choose your side. And I think mm-hmm. when they were editing and piecing together all this wonderful found footage, they really were trying to keep as much Lester out of it as possible because they were very definitely trying to make only what Donner did 
to the detriment, I think, of moments like that, where if Lester had a fantastic line and they only kept it out through just prejudice against Lester, it did a disservice to that moment. Mm, I see. Well, and there, there is the whole thing, we touched on it before, with the, you know, where does this film start? Well, we didn't have that ending in Superman 1. Mm-hmm. So this film couldn't have been made. This is not the way it would have been released back then. Um, and that is the same again and again as you go through. It's like, well, no, even if he would have come back and stayed with the film, he wouldn't have gotten Brando. The producers were absolutely, no, it's not going to happen. We're not paying him the points. So they wouldn't have gotten Brando. So, which I think the Donner cut is really well served by those scenes with Brando. I think they're fantastic. Mm-hmm. I mean, he just he is one of the great actors of all time. They wouldn't have had that. And things would have, this is not the film that would have come out back then mm-hmm. at all. And it is a, it's a fan fan film, but Donner didn't do it either. It's somebody else who edited this all together and put it together. It was an editor. He had, he had worked input, with him but before. it wasn't Donner himself. No. No, he, they brought him in to consult a bit, and after a while it was just too much. He said he couldn't divorce himself from the emotions of of everything that had happened, and yeah, they did have to keep that. quite a few of the Lester scenes in, and he, he didn't enjoy working on the project. Donner himself didn't enjoy it. And I don't know what he was getting paid for it either, which may have been may also have been part of it too. It's like, yeah, yeah, this hurts too bad. I'm not getting paid, so (laughs) yeah. And and given some of the the not great special effects that were obviously not permitted by the low budget, I would assume Donner was not paid a tremendous stipend. Right. It Uh, seems like for the first movie wise, the special effects are great, mm -hmm. but then you go. However many years later, you're like, okay, these are dated now. It still looks like the first movie, if that. Well, you can you can blame the Salkins, the producers, for that because they were notorious penny pinchers. Yeah, um, it's it's kind of like a newer movie. It is doesn't look as good as the older. Yeah, movie. I was kind of surprised by the release date, eighty one. Yeah, I was you like, think hmm. it would look? Well, that's what I'm saying. It doesn't necessarily look worse than the first one. It looks the same. Yeah, it, and you it just think doesn't it work. should have advanced a little bit. But you've also got the Salkins are now paying for a second director yeah. to come in so right. and right. refilm a whole lot. So yeah, right. anything special effects wise that like was that, added to that that hurt got the special cut down. Yeah. yeah, that's it, why it doesn't look like it doesn't look as as new. I'm doing air quotes right now. As new as it should. Well, it seems to Justice me. League is a three hundred million dollar movie. Already, just production because yeah. of a lot of the reshoots. No advertising. That's that's the mo- just that's the, the movie. movie. The and and Han Solo will more than uh, I don't even know like how to describe it. More than half the movie will have to be reshot. Mm-hmm. So you imagine the position that Ron Howard is in is much akin to the position that Richard Lester was in. Yeah. Of most of this movie is shot. He's like, He's fired the guy. I'm come almost in. done. Right. Yeah. Here, here's a respected director. Come in and just do this. Um, but they ran out of money because... So they're paying him now. They don't have any money to work on the special effects. Yeah, the ironic thing is that they, the producers still owed Richard Lester money from the Three and Four Musketeers. And part of their deal with him is, okay, we'll go ahead and pay you, but then come on and do this, and we'll just pay you for both things all at once. So they, in a way, were still manipulating everyone th- with a checkbook. That was their, mm-hmm. that was their way. And... Um, 
Christopher Reeve himself, the only reason that he came back for Superman 4, besides the fact that he had the ability to co-write, was that he had a lot of say in the production of the film. And he tells the story how they gave him an original budget, then they cut it by half during production, and then they cut it by a third again. So if you watch the special effects of Superman 4 and you wince, that's not Reeves that's doing not their fault. That's, that's the, the producers yeah. yanking carpets out from under people and the promises that they made of what they would pay for. So, yes, the And that's the probably the reason why this one doesn't look like it evolved. Right. And they'd already seen a diminishing returns. Yeah. Superman 2, a big hit. Not as popular as Superman 1, but that's normal for a sequel. Mm-hmm. Superman 3, quite a drop. Right. And Superman 4, well, let's not talk about it. <laughs> yeah. Superman it 3, completely one? directed by Lester. Oh, really? Yeah, I, it's, it's, it's not that good. But <laughs> Superman 4 that. is Four's really, he really bad. He doesn't actually fight anyone, right? No, he's... It's just Superman versus communism? No, he nuclear fights man. nuclear man. Yeah. That's oh, the okay. canon films one, right? Is Those it? two Israeli directors that like oh, bought the rights to all the movies. Globus. Yeah, they just made like dozens of movies a year. And just they were put them out like crazy. Awful. Yeah. Well, they used to sell just ideas. Mm-hmm. Give us money. Oh, yeah. They, they didn't make half the They would make movie sure. posters yeah. before they even had a script. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I remember <laughs> that was a pretty good episode of that. Uh, that uh, what was it? Uh, it was how did this get made? And there's a whole yeah. documentary you can watch. It on goes. Yeah, I've, I've seen it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so you were mentioning Brando um, the fact is, is that we do have this version even though it might not have been able to have been made then it does exist yeah. um, and the Brando footage is and the Brando brilliant. footage it is, it is some of the best father to son rapport and, um, and bonding <laughs> that I mean, you'd, you'd have to go to something like The Lion King or Searching for Bobby Fischer or some of those other really great father and son movies. Um, when, when Superman first goes to ask permission to give up his powers, in the theat- theatrical version, he talks to his mother. Mm-hmm. Well, that was the plan B for not being able to have Brando. That was the reshoot. Oh, okay. Right. Plan A was Superman talks to his father. Sure. Yeah, that makes more sense. And and the things that Brando says to him resonate with me particularly because he tries to reason with with Cal on just a, a basic logic level, and then Cal says no, but I love her. And then Jarrell says, well, you you can't protect the Earth by focusing too much on one of its inhabitants, sure. or you will not serve all of humanity. And then Cal still says, but but I love her. So he's like this teenager who's just, but I love her, but I love her. And then Jarrell gets mad, and he says, basically, the thing no son wants to hear from his father, I'm very disappointed in you. And he says, is this how you repay their gratitude, by abandoning them? I mean, he hits hard with his words and with with what he thinks of, of his son, and he implores him not to do this, and then Cal still chooses to... To do it, right. um, and the last thing you you sort of see is there's this great special effect of Marlon Brando's floating head, and Lois, of course, is standing at the the top of the of the Fortress of Solitude, and you see Brando look up at this human woman, 
and he gives her the dirtiest look. <laughs> like, this is the girl you brought into my house, and now you're going to make all these bad life choices. And it was so real. It, oh. it felt exactly like the living room of a disappointed father saying all these things. You know, you're going to give up your profession of being something noble. You know, uh, you're giving up your military commission, whatever it is that is the thing. And it was just gripping. Um, and that's what the Donner version gives you. Mm. Yeah, which I, I, to me, it's my favorite part of the Donner version is the scenes with Brando. It, it's it's brilliant. Um, the film is served so well by it, would have been served so well by it, even if Lester got to use that footage. Yeah. Which, yes, he would have, because he wouldn't have had the scenes with the mother. He would have had the, the scene with Brando. But that wasn't to be. Now, the nice thing, too, is that there's a, a second half to that payoff because one of the the major criticisms of the theatrical version is how exactly did Superman get his powers back? You know, he hikes it back up through all the snow, yeah. freezing, and that truck passes him. Which, by the way, I always wondered, is the truck driver that same guy he beat up in the diner? And he knows exactly who that is, and he's just driving by him going, eh. <laughs> <laughs> he's like, throws snow on Yeah, him. because who doesn't pick up a guy in the middle of the North Pole in a truck? So he gets to his Fortress of Solitude and, you know, his computer is blown up mm -hmm. um, and no one answers his, his pleas. And then he walks away, but then he sees the green crystal and he goes over and he looks at it. And that's it. That's all the explanation that the theatrical version gives us. Next thing you know, he's hovering outside the Daily Planet and he says, Zod, would you care to step outside? So there's a gap of... Okay, so he found a green crystal, but then what? Um, in the Donner cut, you get that filled in. And mm -hmm. it's it's Brando, and it's amazing. He that, that was another part, because like I said, when me and Lisa saw this, there was a, a two or three parts where we were a little confused. So I think this was one of the biggest parts. Mm -hmm. Like, Okay, so whenever he had his power taken away, that wasn't finite? Because they made it seem like, oh, if you do this, <laughs> yeah. oh, it's, it's it. It's like... Oh, no, he just he got his ass kicked by that dude at the bar. He's like, no, never mind. I want my powers back. And his powers are back. That's what th that version seemed like. I'm like, are we missing something? Well, his mother told him it was irreversible. I know. That's what I'm saying. I'm like, but... Which, <laughs> which is really both versions. You get the feeling that, yeah, this is it. This is a Brando told him it was irreversible, yeah. too. And it's, that's very much a comic book. True. Right. Yeah. Nobody dies. Well, it's DC. <laughs> You've got the Lazarus Pit. Don't worry. Yeah. yeah. You like a character they die? Just throw them in the pit. They'll they'll come on back. Uh, nothing's truly irreversible, and that's just comic book. And yeah, but ignore I, I it and take like it. In a, in a in the cinematic universe of comics, I'm like, wait, are we missing something? I felt like we were missing something. So both versions, there's kind of a little well, suspension of disbelief there. Like, okay, never mind, we gotcha, you can have your powers back. So so here's, I'll, I'll tell you what the Donner version does, and you can tell me if that is satisfying to you. Okay. So, Chris Reeve stands there in the empty, destroyed fortress, and he is, is basically the prodigal son, and he gives very different dialogue of, Father, I failed. But it's a true mea culpa. Like, he goes down the list of the ways that he failed. I failed humanity. 
I failed myself, I failed you, I failed... I mean, it's, it's an apology in the truest sense of the word. He's humbled, and it's the thing that Odin wanted from Thor, was a true self-awareness of, this is what I was trying to... This is the pain I wanted you to not have felt, and the mistake I wanted you to not have made. You now know what I was trying to teach you. So you've come back in so a you way. Have learned the you have learned the lesson, and and Chris gives an incredible performance. Um, you can tell his stage training as he as he delivers this, and then you get the crystal that lights up, the green so, one, the green crystal. So you get the sense that that would have only happened if Chris had truly learned. I mean, if Superman had, had truly yeah. learned. So now the crystal's lit up. He puts it in the proper place and the image of Jor-El appears and Jor-El gives him the thing that every son wants which is understanding and then forgiveness so in the same way the disappointment hit hard for every son watching this the forgiveness and the chance to atone to your father I was watching that going, oh my gosh, I so know what that feels like. <laughs> and I imagine that many men do. So what Brando tells him is, when you were a baby, I died once to give you a chance at life. Mm -hmm. And although it will exhaust every last ounce of energy that I have placed in this crystal, I am going to do so again. And you see Clark start to cry, and he turns his head away, and he goes, no, Father, no. Okay, and so this he he won't be able to talk to his father ever again. Right, that's the sacrifice, okay. oh, and he's gonna he's gonna actually lose everything that is the Fortress of Solitude. That makes so much more sense. Yes. Okay, I, I and, get it. Now. And so the image of Brando steps forward, and he looks at his son with such love, and he places his hand on his son's shoulder, and he transfers everything, father to son. And he says, and now the Kryptonian prophecy is complete, and he says the famous line, the father becomes the son. Mm -hmm. And it's just such a closure between the two of them. And you, you see Jor-El as a hero who not only never abandoned his son, but sacrificed his life for him twice. twice. And it hurt Jor-El. He would never be able to talk to his son again. So it was just truly impactful. And... I, I, it is. It's an it's incredible scene. I think Lester knew without being able to do that, it wasn't worth doing. That doing it with the mother wouldn't have been the same. Right. That it, it just wouldn't have worked. Let's gloss it over and move. Yeah. Because uh, because he, he didn't have the choice. Yeah. So as a kid, you know, I saw this when I was thirteen. I honestly thought. The green crystal, if you throw it in the snow, it builds a fortress with everything in it. I thought he got the green crystal, walked about two blocks down, threw it again, <laughs> made a new one. and made a new one. I really did, because for lack of any other explanation, and you have to remember, this is 1981, so this is right during Empire Strikes Back, well, that's where the first but not yet from. Return of the Jedi. So all we have to do during the summer is sit around answering these questions for ourselves. <laughs> is Darth Vader Luke Skywalker's father? How did Christopher Reeve build the new... For I mean, this is what we do. We just... Yeah. We guess. Um, but that was always my assumption is he made... Well, that's how the first one came to be. Yeah. Essentially. Right. You plant a crystal in a fortress that solitude grows. Instant architecture. 
take that HGTV. Oh <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I don't. It, I don't, I don't see how this, it ever would have worked without Brando. And you're right. Lester it, didn't have Brando. It so had to have been removed. And in all reality, down. if Donner had made the film, then Donner wouldn't have had Brando. Uh, it's a lot of interesting what choices Donner would have made later. He would have had to change the end. Mm-hmm. Because we'd already used the fly around the world, mm-hmm. uh, there's a lot of things he would have had to do differently. Because of the, he wouldn't have had Brando, he couldn't have used that ending. What he would have come up with—that's the film I'd be more interested to see. Yeah, so we're imagining an alternate universe that had different producers. Yeah, is really the only <laughs> right. The caveat here, yeah. Um, so, so then this brings us then to the final battle in the fortress. Um, as the as the second to last major distinction between the two films, um, the theatrical cut boggled my mind. That battle, you know, it, it boggled <laughs> all of our minds to the point where Family Guy mocks it. Yes, yes. There's the the popping around from here to there, transporting, which oh, is like yeah. what? Why the oh, magic boy. Loki powers? Yeah, yeah. The very uh, slow. Now, as far as why he didn't powers. use those in Metropolis, my only thing I've ever thought of is that he could only do that in the Fortress of Solitude. That being a Kryptonian substitute, that he couldn't do that out in the regular room. It was like an enhanced right. abilities in that area. Exactly, because that is a... Which any Kryptonian could take advantage of. Yeah. Right, that is a Kryptonian place. That's why I feel like that, that's maybe why the last fight wasn't just like, a brawl type fight. It was but more the, the throwing the s off the chest. Around Highlander, yeah, the pretty much. The throwing the s confusing. off the chest. That's, <laughs> that, where, that's yeah. what I was talking yeah. about <laughs> an hour ago <laughs> when I said he could beat me over the head with this yeah. all day long, and there's nothing I can do about it. That's the scene. So essentially, what you're saying chest. is the the s or whatever is just like a warning label. It's like don't let your child play with this unattended. <laughs> I mean, that's essentially all. Yeah, that's what it is. Don't. May cause suffocation. Right. Yeah. This is not a toy. This is not a toy. <laughs> we'll suffocate your cat. Yeah. It, Only use with. There's the no excuse for any of that. Yeah. Well, and and with the magic Loki powers, it was I'm a mirage. I'm a mirage. I'm a mirage. I'm an ice sculpture. What? Yeah. <laughs> when did you make that? When <laughs> I'm an ice sculpture with perfect clothes. Well, if you can b- uh, use a single laser to blast a, a sculpture inside of, of a yeah. building, but, I'm sure or a, a mountain, I'm sure you can make an ice sculpture in a few seconds. Then again, we're talking special effects budget being slashed on to pieces, and pop pop is a very cheap, easy effect. Right. Mm-hmm. And there may not have been a whole lot of choices about what they could have done. Well, but it was just the, the sudden invention of magic powers. Yes. The, the syndrome from incredible zero-point energy, magic white laser fingers that they all suddenly are able to have. Yeah, it wasn't a power amplified. It was a totally new power we haven't seen before. Right. And um, so all three of them pointed at Superman's hand, and it pushed it back slightly, and then he pushed it forward. How does that make all the power go back and make all three of them fall down? I mean, this was all so... Sudden and and pulled out of people's <laughs> like you, you didn't even have a chance to know what was well, going on, much less the we'd the seen rules. Zod be able to pick up the kid. Yes, which, yeah. so we'd seen that power more or less being used. But yeah, it's it, it's it's a badly done scene. There's no doubt about it. But we also saw Zod use his heat vision to float a rifle. Oh yeah, yeah. Nick asked about. I'm that. like, why didn't the stock <laughs> did catch on fire? 
or the whole thing just melt. Yeah. yeah. And and and, and uh, whenever he was trying to burn the the truck gas tank, that would have exploded immediately yeah. the second <laughs> that metal got red. Or why not shoot the big part of the truck where yeah, all the like gas is? The, more, the big part. And of although the gas. it's been a Superman power forever, I've always wondered how he gets freezing breath. <laughs> yeah, I can blow but it really hard, movie, it but no, this forever. is freezing. <laughs> it's yeah. like yeah, I I guess just the sheer speed and pressure of it. But yeah, it's uh, like holding a can of canned air upside down, maybe. Yeah, and and I know a lot of it was they were just limited by what they could do with yeah. practical effects. And, yeah. and I get that, because otherwise you would question the lack of super speed to solve a lot of these issues, or just various things that yeah. were just practical, uh, logistical concerns. Um, but the one of the differences to me is that in the theatrical version, when Superman gives up his powers, it's a real light show. And you see his skull, and you see his flesh go this way and that. And he steps into the chamber in full Superman gear, and he steps out of it in just a nice shoe. white shirt and slacks and shoes, uh, I, I assume from Lord and Taylor. I mean, he's, <laughs> he's got a, a nice dress belt. And when, when in that same theatrical version, he does the switch where he's protected on the inside of the Red Chamber and all of the Kryptonians on the outside have their powers taken away, there's no such effects. That's, that's something I really like because it's like, you know, if you're paying attention, he didn't lose his powers while he's inside there because he's still in the Superman suit. If he'd lost his powers, he would have ended up in the khakis but, and But shirt. then they should but, be wearing nice dress shirts and Lord and but Taylor shoes. But they never shoes. wore nice dress shoots. And they, they always wore that. They had nothing else to wear. They would end up naked. And, and he, he was, oh, I'm so weak. All my power is gone. I really noticed a physical difference, and they did not. So it was it was really jarring to me. Yeah. If... if in, in the Donner version, they don't do the special effects when, when Superman gives up his powers. Yeah, so it's, it's just, less it's just of lights. A, it's no right, um, yeah. muscle and right. bone and everything. And it did not change his clothes. So yeah. when that does not happen to you the Kryptonians, you're like, what? Well, so, but that would have hurt the nice, you know, <laughs> yeah. Neil before Zod and he crushes his hand, which was a great scene. Yeah. Now, I'll also preface this with Children are supposed to be able to enjoy this movie. And there are some things that you do to make things more obvious for a younger viewer. And I'm certainly looking at this from the point of view of an adult, but I can understand why if his clothes are no longer Superman clothes, then he's no longer Superman. A child understands right. that. Yeah. So. But there is, the fact, uh, in just watching it the other night, I was like, yeah, his clothes don't change. So you know he's, if you could have caught that. You would have known that he hasn't lost his powers. Yeah. And, and Lex Luthor, fantastically slimy, also stood in for uh, mm -hmm. in several of those scenes. There's a after wearing a bad wig. Yeah. Yeah. And you can tell when it's not his voice. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, so many scenes shot from the back. Yes. Of, of Lex. I like how Lex uh, altered the machine for that, that scene. Oh, no, Superman did that before the Kryptonians got was there. Was it Superman? Or he knew they like, would follow him. Because I feel like Lex kind of gave mm -hmm. him like a wink. No, no, Lex like was... Knowing that was Lex was trying to ride whatever side was going to win. Oh, okay. I and was then when the whole thing's over, oh, hey, hey, that was you and me. We were, we were playing him perfectly. And it's like, no. Yeah. No, Luther is a poisonous snake. Okay. That's what I thought, but I'm, I was kind of like, eh, I feel like he kind of maybe mm -hmm. thought he was on the losing no. side, so he decided to change and, it. And, and this is another reason I, I like the Donner cut, because Superman, knowing he had to flee Metropolis or it was going to be destroyed, he needed to regroup and have a new plan. He had a new plan, which was 
I'm in the chamber, I'm going to reverse the effect. Rather than get into a brawl in the Donner version, he just goes straight to, okay, you got me. I'm going to tell Lex the secret. I know Lex will betray me. They're going to make me go in the chamber. He just efficiently gets to that as quickly as possible so as not to risk the life and limb of Lois, who he knows if this takes too long, they're going to kill her. It's going to, yeah. So his presence of mind shows that Jor-El taught him well um, how to retreat and regroup and, and come back. So I like the fact that they didn't have the poofing and the fighting. and He just did it with, okay, you're right, you're three and I'm one, you win, I'll go in. Um, then again, he didn't have the Brando scenes and needed to get right. to a length for the movie. Right. So you needed these extra scenes to get there. Right. So. Um, and speaking of extra scenes, I know there was a huge debate after Man of Steel with the snapping of Zod's neck of, what a horrible thing, Superman killed Zod. And then you had some I of have, the fan base that I came back. I have thoughts on that. You had some of the fan base that came back and said, well, you know, Mr. Clean, Mr. Christopher Reeve also killed Zod. And that's been a, a debate for a while. Unless you're one of the few who has seen some of the deleted scenes where it shows that they are all alive and well. Yes. Okay. And they're picked up by a sort of an Arctic police snow-capable vehicle, <laughs> a, a paddy wagon of, of the north. And Lex as well, so it's the three Kryptonians and Lex are taken away to jail, even as Lex is still trying to bargain with Superman for his own freedom. And those scenes have been shown on TV showings of the film right. back in the 80s. Um, yeah, I've yeah. seen those. There's also the scene where he then destroys the yes. Fortress of Solitude. That's in the Donner cut. Yeah. So to add some sadness, um, yes, he does defeat the Kryptonians without killing them. Um, he has lived up to his father's hope for him, which was to be that kind of hero. Okay. Um, but his father is gone forever. And there's a poignantly sad scene where he and Lois are standing at the edge as they're leaving the fortress, and he just turns back and wistfully gives his home one last glance and heat visions it down and destroys his home, knowing that there's nothing there for him anyway. Right. Yeah. There is no power left in it. Right. Um, but still, it's sad because now he has given up everything, um, both through his mistakes and then later his choices. Mm-hmm. That road has, left, has led him to now, and now he has to say that there's, there's, I've lost my home and my father. Um, and what's nice about that is that Lois is by his side, and she comforts him in that moment which is a beautiful moment. And, and one of the things that it does is it really reinforces why he would love her so much. Mm-hmm. That she's his strength as much as he's anyone else's hope. Right, yeah. You have to make that relationship important for us to care about Superman and understand why he would do right. the things he does. Yeah. No, and why he would give up his powers. Right. Yeah. And, 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 and as a child, you know, I, I sort of interpreted it as, well, of course you want the girl who's mean to you, because that was my experience in middle school and, <laughs> and high school, you know. So it's interesting. Yeah. I, I didn't think as a younger person beyond that of, well, of course he wants Lois because she's the one that's mean to him. <laughs> Are you listening, Elizabeth? <laughs> um, and then we've got the, the two very separate endings. Yes. Um, we get the ending that was originally planned 
with him flying around the world to turn everything back mm-hmm. so that Lois will not remember that she knows. Right. So we go back to Lois not knowing who Clark Kellett is again. Right. Um, in the Donner version, it's, it's different. He takes Lois back to the balcony of her apartment. And it's there that she has her, don't worry about me, I'm going to be fine. But she's saying this through tear-stained yes. bravery. Um, and the, the line that always gets me there is, is, you know, I'm going to see you every day. Um, and we have to act as if, you know, we're not who we are and I don't feel the way that I feel about you. And she goes, oh, you know, and she says, well, I guess maybe I just won't be so mean to you from now on. And again, coming from that kid, <laughs> it's like, wow, could you imagine if that girl said to you, I won't be mean to you anymore? Like that alone, <laughs> I was like, I'll take it. You know, <laughs> happy ending achieved. Um, but of course, you know, it's, it's more layered than that. Yeah. And so he, he flies away. And, and two things to me are, are really important here. One, she sort of watches him fly away. And she goes, well, there he goes. As she realizes that was, that was I'll never love again like this, ever. And he's, he's leaving. And this is the last few seconds that I'm ever going to, to see this. She goes, there he goes. Up, up, and away. And you never think of that line without thinking something cheesy. You know, up, up, and away was always just people shouting in the city of, you know, I can't tell a bird from a plane. I'm an idiot. But when she she says it, it hits you. You know, that's, those are the words of someone leaving you and not coming back. And so she turns and she bravely goes, into her apartment. And the way that the film is shot, it reminds you that this is the same balcony where they met. And they had that wonderful dinner. And the, you know, do you like pink? I mean, that whole conversation. And the the terrible closure of this is that same balcony. And that, I thought, was just beautifully done. And I'll credit Tom Mankiewicz, the original writer, for bringing that home and giving us that. All the ending in the Lester cut takes place in the Daily Planet, which is really where they met, uh, Clark and Lois, and uh, <laughs> I, I like that just as just as well. Uh, and it's very similar scene actually. We see how am I going to be here and see you every day and you know and deal with this and the the pain is, and then the resolutions are different. Right. Uh, I like the magical kiss; it works for me. Uh, it's like. Yeah, this is cool. Well, it's it's a great way to get out of anyone finding out your secret identity. Yeah. I imagine that works for Jimmy Olsen just as well. <laughs> <laughs> Probably not. <laughs> um, the the Lester version, Lois does have again a fantastic scene and a fantastic yeah, yeah. bit it's, of dialogue. It, it's very similar. Um, and, and she says, you know, do you know how vile it is to hear the first bird of the morning when you've been up all night crying? And yeah. she says, you know, I've spent all night listening to the voices of reason. And she tells him repeatedly, you don't have to worry about me. And he says, I like worrying about you. And she says just the most natural human thing. And she says, will you stop? Like, stop being nice. Stop being good. Stop being yeah. all the things that are going to make me want you. You know, and I thought that was, I can't pick a favorite. Between the two, um, Chris Reeve and Margot Kidder acted brilliantly in, in both. 
it was just a different way of, of getting to a certain ending. And, you know, I don't know about the magic kiss. Um, well, in, in all reality, something would have had to been done for the Donner film because they'd already done the fly around the world thing. Right. So yeah. uh, maybe he would have come up with something brilliant. I don't know. Yeah. I just want to see, you know, the person outside of this totally glass office that Lois has who looks in and sees Clark totally making out with Lois, you know, and telling her about that later when she doesn't remember. <laughs> <laughs> um, and the other thing that I thought re-watching all of this is this story could only have been told in the era before cell phones because short of more magic turning back things, Everything is videoed and oh, uploaded yeah. and on record and yeah. yeah. Oh, oh, absolutely, and that's true of so much plot point that films. Right. Well, why wouldn't they just call? Yeah, <laughs> you, I feel you even like modern it. films. They kind of slightly take cell phones out of the equation. Well, they or else you'd be like, oh, they often have to. They often have to. It's they like, have to sh- no, we are. There's, we're, there's no yeah. signal. We're out of range. I lost the it. battery's gone. Yeah. Whatever mm-hmm. it is, it, it was just like the transporter in Star Trek. You had this incredible device, and it would be like they'd be very short episodes. Beam down. This sucks. Out. Yeah, <laughs> and we're gone. <laughs> we're in trouble. Uh, right. Yeah, it's like yeah, beam us out of here. But so they always had to come up with an ion storm or something yeah. where this thing <laughs> would lost work. the communication yeah. or yeah. something like. That. Or and it's the sure, same thing. Sure, Khan, we'll beam you aboard. Actually, turn him into a pig. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, <laughs> that would be very easy. Um, so, so, so the last difference is, as you know, we keep circling back to is we've already done the turning around of the world thing in the. Uh, in the theatrical, Superman won. Mm-hmm. So the Donner Cut is not going to do that in the same way because yeah. this is not to save Lois who has died in a, in a red car in an earthquake mm-hmm. um, because he saved her by handling the missiles properly. Mm-hmm. So the Kryptonians have been defeated and Lois says she's going to be brave. So why then would Superman need to turn the world back? And it's just because he feels that bad for her. Honestly, yeah. there's there's no other reason. We're not aware of mass casualties or deaths. Um, I'm sure there are a lot of injuries in the battle for Metropolis, but it didn't ever appear no. that there were deaths. Certainly not on Man of Steel scale. Um, <laughs> no, no. Uh, so why then would he do it? And and the thing that that struck me is you know you have the cliche of a man who says, well, I would move mountains for you. Well, he would turn the world back for Lois. Yeah. And strictly because of his love for Lois, no other reason. And so even that was this grand gesture of, I don't want you to have to be brave, and I don't want you to have to suffer, and I don't want you, as you said, can't you see this is killing me? Um, but heck, as long as I'm turning the world back, let me turn it back to a point where it does some real good. So he turned it back to the original missile chase. So now we're back at the missile chase, and he disposes of the missiles in a different part of the stratosphere, and it never releases Zod. Oh, okay. And, but it's really done for Lois. But it's for yeah. Lois, uh, which is which, which is which. Great, it's wonderful. It's, uh, it's just more of a happy accident. Yeah. <laughs> but you know, in either way. To have Lois forget, he's losing something. 
he's losing someone who knows his secret. He knows losing someone he can share things with. There, there's a loss to him also. And he's losing someone who returns everything that he feels for her, which he yeah. may never find again. He may never love again the way he loves Lois. Mm-hmm. And so now he's carrying the double burden. So that is, you know, he's, he's strong in, in intangible ways as well with what he's willing to, to carry. Um, so watch both. <laughs> <laughs> back to back. Um, now the one side by side. Best way to do it is watch watch them back to back. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the the one start with Lester. The one thing I want to say is, I did do sort of the Scooby Doo head shake on the Donner version at the very end. You know the <laughs> of like a triple take. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> um So he turns the world back to. Before Zod's released. Okay. So, Zod never came to Earth. He never gave up his own powers and then never had to regain his powers in order to fight Zod. Mm-hmm. He never... But he remembers that. He remembers, he remembers all of this. It. Okay. But he, he never revealed his identity to Lois. All of this has, has gone away. Mm-hmm. And yet he still goes to Alaska to find that guy in the diner and beat, beat him up. up. <laughs> Who had never who had met, never him, met yes. him? Yes. <laughs> so he's this guy's just getting beat up for no reason. Yes. So yeah. as far as this guy knows, <laughs> some dude in a London fog jacket from the big city comes in, informs him that he's sitting in his favorite chair, which Rocky knows nothing about, and then the guy proceeds to just kick his ass in a diner, throw him into a pinball machine, pay for it, and walk out. So. I'm thinking that's a very interesting way to end the story of heroism with an act of such petty revenge on someone who never committed the crime. I didn't catch that part, but I'll admit I thought it was Now, in the Lester version, he has still committed the crime. Yes. Oh, okay. So there's a little bit more there. In the Donner version, turn back, this never happened. Right. Okay, okay. Okay. (laughs) So the only thing that I can think is... But it's still there in both versions. It's still there in both versions. So one version, he's just a jerk. So, so, so the only justification, and this was the thing I thought, you know, if Michael wants to beat me on the head with it, it's going to be this, <laughs> that Superman picked on an unarmed, <laughs> undeserving uh, human doing exactly what his father told well, him not to do. You know, the thing is, the guy was really a douche anyway and deserved it. So. Right. So he's going to do it to someone else. So my justification is Clark remembers everything that happened. He's the only one who does. And he knows that from time to time, this guy goes into that diner and causes problems for everybody. So he just wanted to go in and shut this guy down. Or just cause problems for him for a day. But hopefully teach him a lesson. (laughs) Hopefully he had good reasons. Hopefully (laughs) every Every bully at some point will find a bigger bully. Today is your day. Remember that tomorrow could be your day too. And maybe he helps out these people at the diner. I'm clinging sure. to that. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, well, okay. Because otherwise... <laughs> otherwise, he's just he, beating he is up. Superman. He could show up every day. <laughs> yeah. yeah. On my planet, this stands for jerk. <laughs> <laughs> and then I fly and give everyone a nice, happy smile around the Earth and end credits. And then go back to Alaska and beat the hell out of this guy. Yeah. Again. As otherwise known as Tuesday. <laughs> so, it's a day that ends in Y. So there you go, folks. There's the uh, the passion and the passion on both sides. 
Mm-hmm. And I'm moderating tonight. <laughs> you know, and I think they're, I think they are both <laughs> worth watching. They're both enjoyable films, and you should check them out. Well, yeah. I feel like I got an education tonight. Like <laughs> I told you, I had questions. I feel like you answered pretty much all of we them. We didn't have so. to ask the questions. Oh, to get them I do have a quick question. Okay, so my dad had this question. He was asking me about Superman's like real name, Cal L. Yes, and. I understand the logic behind that, but how did the writers come up with that name? Do you guys have a story about that? Like, yes. Okay, go ahead. So the the <laughs> like original the original yeah. creators mm-hmm, um, were Jewish. Okay, that's that's what he said. He was like, yes. I felt like. And so yeah. if if in your local area you see temples and it's Beth L, okay. you'll see Beth Dash E L. Okay. Yeah, um, that was his question. Yeah. And so. Uh, their family is from the house of L. Yeah. So his dad is Jor L. He is Cal L. Um, if you watch the Supergirl series, you'll see Mon L. Mm-hmm. Um, it is a family surname. Okay. Um, and Kryptonian society has that. Um, and as we talked about in the last episode, mm-hmm. the, the S symbol yeah. itself it's not really an S. is a family crest yeah. right. in the same right. way that they have the family surnames. Okay. Okay. That was it. Yeah. A couple of good Jewish boys. Right. Yeah. So that's, technically, that's he, that's he sold what he was it asking. for he was way like, too is low. That right. Jewish, yeah. Right. Yeah. Bought it out from under him. So um, you will Who now knew? refer to me as Danny L. Danny L. Okay. <laughs> yeah, as versus Danny Elkman. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Who, by the way, has said he's going to put in the themes in yeah. the Justice League movie. So we're going to hear the Batman theme. We're going to I hear want the Superman the Joker theme. theme. Well, I don't think that'll be... But. Oh, I want that. <laughs> and I want Mark Hamill. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I wish... Uh, one of the people who did not return after Donner was fired was John Williams. Okay. Right. So the theatrical release of Superman 2 does not have a John Williams-conducted score. It, it, themed, similar, uh, but yeah, it, it would have been better with... Williams is one of the great composers of all time. Yeah. Well, there were different plot points that could have benefited from new uh, compositions by Williams. Uh, the composer that they brought in had worked with Richard Lester before, had worked with the Salkins before, had won, I think, or at least was nominated for A Funny Thing Happened on the Way to the Forum. So no slouch by, no, by no. any means. It'd be like bringing in Alan Silvestri or bringing in Michael Kamen or anyone else that could truly hold their own um, and, and have a similar feel as, as John Williams, um, but budgetarily, he was given half the piece orchestra that John Williams oh. had, mm-hmm. and he was given less than half of the time that John Williams had. So um, although to me the music sounds a little thin and small, I can't fault the, uh, no. the, the director uh, yeah, it all sounds like it was financial, you know. It's like mm-hmm. pretty much budgets, yeah. Minus the producers, everyone did as best as they could for what they were given. Yeah, yeah. Um, and and also, if you look at some of the the scenes that Chris Reeve and Margot Kidder and and you know uh, Terrence Stamp and some of the uh, other actors did, despite all this turmoil, they showed up and they gave it their all. They really and you can see. You can see scenes in the Lester theatrical cut that you know were done after this whole thing blew up. And they still... And they just made work. you weep, and they made you feel. And then, we have to mention that later on, Terrence Stamp would go on to be Jor-El in Smallville. Smallville. 
which was great. Um, Sarah Douglas. Ursa. 22-year-old me had a big crush on Sarah. <laughs> she looked great. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Her outfit. We kept saying, like, how yeah. many zippers is she going to undo on that outfit? Because, yeah. like, like, every scene, like, an extra zipper was, was like, holding yeah. for one more always. Yeah. Uh, but, like, it was, like, it was an arm, and then both arms, and then no. zippers on the sides of the legs Well, you know, yellow The girl sons... I was dating at the time was kind of... Oh, yeah, because we're not going to go see that one again. Uh, <laughs> yellow suns are warmer, so... Yeah, it's... Sure, so they she were on extra holiday. zippers. They were on holiday. Um, I, I watched back-to-back Lester first and Donner second with my wife, and she noticed that Ursa changed from heels to flats to heels to flats, depending on what she was Which, doing and if she was trying to seduce. So when she's sitting on the desk of the Oval Office, they're flats... But when she's standing in front of a man wanting him to do something, they're heels. So, <laughs> Kryptonian I, I, clothing. I is did right. not notice. Mag- she goes into magical closet, heels. Like, magical so. heels. Yeah. It's right in with the flying ass. So. <laughs> and the zippers that are. I swear, her her jumpsuit had like eighteen zippers. She had on zippers it. on like the sides of sides her of thighs. the legs. Yeah, sometimes <laughs> it would be like. I was like, oh, these are new. This was the eighties. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> zippers were a big thing. Yeah, they they were. They really those were, those yeah. were kind of. Proto punk clothes. A lot of times, uh, you unzip it and there's just fabric behind it. Yeah, like the, the nothing. It made it your pants just there slightly to larger. Be a zipper. Yeah, um, I think one thing I do love just about the story in general is that it goes beyond random bad guy shows up, and it it really does make connections between your actions and the yeah. repercussions that come from your actions and repercussions from even before you. Right. It's like, I was put here before you, but now you have released me, but I have been put here from someone else related to you previously. Right. right. So it's a very, not complicated, but it's definitely a circle that's... Right. And and within the, the internal consistency of, of the first movie, it was Jor-El that helped capture Zod. Mm-hmm. Um, which, when we first started watching this one, I was like, wait, no, this is Superman 1. Because it starts exactly with the, the recap. same. He said that he, yeah. Goes, yeah, he, he like, rented the wrong movie. <laughs> and she was like, oh, no. And I was like, I did? No. And then I looked, and it was the right one. Yeah. But like yeah, the, the first scenes are, it's just the same scene. They didn't redo it. It's the same scene. Yeah. yeah you get Jor-El casting the deciding vote. He's yeah. definitely the guy who's their jailer. Except in the theatrical version, they couldn't use any of Brando's scenes, so yes, you had to just remember that part. Yeah, you see them in the you see the the big dome mm-hmm. like lifting and the the hula hoops going around them, mm-hmm. and then they get put in that little mm-hmm. flat diamond thing and the album co- the album cover. Yeah, right. The smell <laughs> of the glove. Yeah, yeah. Um, but and then, and then the movie starts. And you look at this. Could it be any blacker? None. None more black. Uh, but you do you do finally make the connection during some of the Brando scenes and the Donner cut of he's he's lecturing his son saying you know um, virtue does not require applause or accolades mm-hmm. it only requires the conviction that you have done as you should you do it because you know it's good not because you get something out of it right and and as much as Jorel talks to his son about all of humanity and the world and he he keeps talking at this global scale, if you go back to Jor-El's own actions, he tried to protect 
Krypton on a global scale. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The insurrection that Zod was attempting to do was a global insurrection, and he helped stop that. The destruction of Krypton, he tried to stop that. Yeah. So he does have a right to speak in these global terms to mm-hmm. his son, and I like that even that they laid the groundwork for, and that it, it's Zod taking revenge on not just the the son of his jailer, but everything that the whole House of El stands, stands for, for. Yeah. Mm-hmm. which is to protect the planet against Zod. <laughs> yeah. Are we wrapped? Do we well, have more questions? Uh, so, yeah, just two more questions. So what keeps you coming back to this movie? I feel like you both kind of answered that already, but do you want to give like just a quick summary of why? I don't think they're ever going to watch this movie again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. They're done. A quick summary of why you have seen this so many times. Uh, I'm I'm completely convinced now. Never watching the Lester version again. Uh, <laughs> see, debate debate does work. I win. <laughs> I always win. Uh, it's it's the quintessential superhero movie. It's really the superhero movie that started it all. I mean, not that there hadn't been one before, but not to this scale, not to mm-hmm. this budget, not to this amount of talent behind it. Um, anything you're seeing today exists because of these two films, Superman yeah. 1 and 2. Yeah, I think the story of his sacrifice, the story of his father's sacrifice, um, again, I like Thor, the, the first one, borrowed some of the themes of what the father expects from the son. Mm-hmm. Um, you'll see these same themes resonate again and again in different places. Yeah, um, it's very familiar in a superhero movie. Yeah. Now, yeah, yeah, yeah. There, but there really wasn't much before that. Mm-hmm. Uh, these these are the originals. Yeah, before that we had the Batman television series. You had the Wonder Woman television series. Mm-hmm. The Incredible Hulk had just started um, before Superman one. And so, There's no real movies, though, or no, no cinema. It was all just no. TV. No, and that's why the whole endeavor was such a risk, which is why they needed Brando, and why it was a tragedy that later they tried to cut him out of. But without Brando, this whole thing would never have, have gotten off the no. ground, and, as it were. And Hackman, uh, equally so. Yeah. Uh, um, both, so Both, like, give two of the biggest actors there were at yeah. the time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I think I keep going back because it's the original wellspring of of these themes and yeah. it just feels good to go back to that yeah so the other question was how do you pitch this movie to someone that hasn't seen it before I tell them to watch both absolutely <laughs> uh, oh I would too no doubt just watch the Lester one first um, <laughs> I would say watch the Lester one first there's a certain purity in experiencing it the way that we did which was there was a time that was the only version absolutely um, and actually, well, watch Superman 1 first, and then watch these on through. And you, you don't have to watch Superman 3 or 4. Uh, <laughs> you're okay not watching those. Uh, why should so? You want to see where it started? Uh, it, it's great performances. It's great actors. It's mm-hmm. a great script. Watch these movies. They're good movies besides just being a superhero movie. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah, they said they... Set a real standard for that genre. For sure. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. You probably would not have seen the uh, Keaton Batman mm-hmm. if these hadn't existed. Right. You mm-hmm. have to credit that, yeah. No, I think this was a wonderful 
story and it was beautifully executed um, as as an entire saga mm-hmm. of of a of a boy who has no idea who he is or how to live to the man that he becomes is just uh, it's so watchable. And what they did for just comic culture, nerd culture, whatever you want to call it. Um, those of us who were into that at the time, you didn't talk about it, and all of a sudden it was Superman. This is the most incredible film you've ever seen. Everyone's going to see it. It's like been telling you for years. <laughs> <laughs> These are good stories, and yeah. it, it it really brought us, you know, out to the open for a little while. We, yes, I could be proud of this. Right, so. <laughs> right, yeah. I like that. Yeah, it's a good answer. Okay. Well, guys, thank you so much for coming tonight and debating this, debating your sides about which version is better. Now get out. Uh, I enjoyed <laughs> listening to that. That's really cool because, you know, I, I just now saw this movie, so I only saw the Lester version, but now i got to go back and see yeah. the Tommy version. Oh, spoilers. Made a <laughs> argument, Daniel. Yeah. Yeah, we don't have to watch it now. No, <laughs> you, yeah, you should, if, if nothing else, for some of the performances. Oh, mm-hmm. absolutely. If, if nothing else, for Brando's. I want to say, because yeah, some work. of the scenes you guys described sound really good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and I kind of like, I guess we, we get to see it the way you guys did. We saw this one first. Mm-hmm. And now we'll go see the one with the, the, ex, the original footage, I guess, mm-hmm. that wasn't redone or taken out or reshot and like i said from the beginning i i really like the donner version i just prefer the lester yeah i like the humor i like i like lester's style well they brought him in for a few reasons so yeah 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 i think you can have both yeah and and we're about to see something like that again with Mm -hmm. josh whedon's additions to justice league Mm -hmm. yeah and ron howard's effect on solo so yeah it happens guys (laughs) it's it, it happens. Making. I'm seeing Justice League tomorrow. All right. The early, early premiere of it. Yeah, I'm jealous. I have because, to wait till Thursday. Because famous podcaster. Yeah. <laughs> I have You're hooked up. Cred. <laughs> That's awesome. So That's yeah. Great. So we'll see. We'll see. Um, I hope that that good people's hard work, you know, turns out. But mm-hmm. we'll see. I'm really looking forward to it. Yeah, I'm gonna see it probably. I'm the guy who loved Batman versus Superman. I know. (laughs) (laughs) Well, thank you guys. You're outnumbered here, Daniel. Yeah. (laughs) You're up against Dan L. Dan L. Sorry. From now on. Um, Okay, guys. Well, thank you so much. Thanks, Lisa. Hey guys, thank you so much for listening. I want to start off by saying apologies if you heard my dog. Uh, Coro, who just had surgery, she was wearing a cone and she was shaking it quite a bit. Also, my pug snoring. Uh, tried to cut out as much of their shenanigans as I could in this episode. I don't have a great method yet for recording with more than one person, which is why I normally like to do remote. Um, so yeah, so this was just something a little different. I did have a couple audio issues, but I thought overall it sounded great and it was super fun. Um, when we made this episode, we didn't realize how much debating the two versions of this film would mirror the debate with the Justice League movie. I mean, we knew, you know, that Whedon was coming in and that there would be 
opposing viewpoints, but wow, very timely episode. (laughs) Uh, If you guys have any feedback on this episode or any others, please feel free to reach out to me on Twitter under AYA Lisa Cosplay. I'm also on Instagram at AYA and is a Nancy AMI Lisa. And we have a closed Facebook group called I Love That Movie. Uh, Just send a request and I'll add you. It's a safe space for movie lovers to discuss their favorite films, judgment-free. My only rule is just keep it positive. If you like what you heard today, please subscribe and rate the show. Um, And if you leave a positive review on iTunes specifically, you'll be entered to win a $20 gift card to movie theater chain of your choice. Guys, I keep saying it, but right now we're at 14 reviews. We need one more, one more review to hit 15. So leave one. Uh, Once you do, I will draw a name and uh you know pick who the winner is everybody loves free money so this is my way of just giving back to you guys for supporting me thank you so so much and i look forward to hearing from you